hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Through the Lens. This is from WGL 91.1 FM. I'm Alex alongside Davis Carroll and this is the second episode of Through the Lens that we've ever done. I'm very excited for it. Our first one of course was I think two weeks ago we did just the rankings and our top choices and favorite films and movies, actors, directors and now... And actually looking back on that we missed a lot of good actors. Yeah. My dad was very kind to let me know that I messed up. My mother yeah. as well. They were both very, very <laughs> we nice. We should have made the 10 actors and Clear, actresses. Clearly, we, we, we should have. But, you know, hey, you live and you learn, you live and you learn. And now, I think we, we're going to try a new thing here at Through the Lens. What we want to do is we want to, like, spend the first couple minutes of the show dealing with, like, the top news around the pop culture landscape because... You know, as fun as it would be to just talk about one movie every podcast, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on that you don't need to give an hour, but you can talk about for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, then get into that movie. So we're going to start with that uh, news breakdown. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this happened last week, and it's still been in the news because of the hype building around it. The trailer for Dune released. Did you watch the trailer, Davis? Dune. I thought you said Dune. I saw a little bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, I saw it. It was pretty good. Very star-studded cast. My dad immediately texts me and says, hey, did you see the Dune trailer? I'm like, yes, I did. It looked good. He said the original was the worst movie he ever saw. It was supposed to be like the next Star Wars, but it was, then it sucked. That, that's the thing is he, he said that, and that's what he said. He said that when it came out, you know, they were releasing stuff like Star Wars, and it just looked, it just looked worse. It was not, it was, you know, it was too sci-fi. Because sci-fi for a long time was very sort of, you know... I mean, Star Wars is a space opera. I think Star Wars is a fantasy movie, personally. That, I was going to even say that as well. And Like, I don't even count as a space movie. And they built to it, and they built to it in Blade Runner itself, but Blade Runner was such a high-quality film, it was like a different breed. You know, and Dune may have been ahead of its time, but it also just wasn't nearly as high-quality production-wise or otherwise. There were some weird sci-fi movies coming out of that time, like Stargate? What is that movie? Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I, I really... I, I've seen that movie. And it's weird. Yeah, it is. Weird. I mean, it is decent though. It's see, a- like the Egyptian aliens through the little gate. Yeah, it's it's a very very strange and absurd film. But yeah, that was the Dune trailer, and again, you know, it looked good. Very star studded cast. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, it, I'm ready. I'm gonna check. I it out mean, when it comes if out. it's on TV, I'm gonna click on it. You know, because it's it's got the cast to it. Oscar it's Oscar Isaac. It does. Who has a mean beard? I mean, the dude looking scary. He needs to keep the beard. That's what I'm saying. It's potential potential. And Timothy Chalamet. He, I, I mean, take take him or leave him. That's Personally. the thing is, I, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough. You know, he's good, but like, I don't know. I don't think he's the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. But the Dune trailer came out, and also The Walking Dead announced that it will be coming to an end following its 11th and final season. It's still going? Yeah. <laughs> and then having a Daryl, two spinoffs, one focusing on the characters of Daryl and Carol, both uh, two fan favorites, and another spinoff. I personally have come back to watching it. I left in the middle of season eight and came back. It's a high-quality show where it is at now. Not, you know, as good as the... First four seasons of the show, not which the in my second opinion, season. Second season. Second is season enough. is very divisive. I like it. I, I like, it. like it. A lot of people don't, but I like it a lot. That's like still. I usually try. I'll start to try to rewatch it. I'll get the second season. I'm like, this is boring. Yeah, it, they it, just it drags. It drags. It drags a bit. But then season three really picks up in season four and five and it's so. Because they changed writers. That also true. Yeah, they changed writers, and that's ironic because you know they changed showrunners after season eight, and season nine and ten were awesome. And you know, it that got AMC. I've heard AMC's kind of kind of evil a little bit i'm not sure how true that is but the writer for season one talked about how they shot down everything he wanted yeah. and then kind of led him in this one way that he couldn't do by it. the like, way they were gonna you remember the the zombie from the first season in the tank they were gonna have like a whole episode or like a, a whole like separate thing that 
led up like the story of how he oh, got there. Oh, that would have been awesome. And like how, yeah, and like how at the end he pulled the grenade or he had to set the grenade down instead of kill himself. And 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 then Rick obviously gets in there and just kind of like that's where it meets. That would have been perfect. And actually. that's the and that actor is the guy that Star Killer in Force Unleashed the games. Really? Yep. Nice. Davis with all the info, but I bet you didn't know this. Who was the uh, creator and showrunner for the sh- for the Walking Dead? I used to know it. The director of Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont, Frank Dar- actually. Oh, it is Frank. Da- he also, yeah, writer of Shawshank, too. He in was? the Green Mile. So, I mean, you know, and he he basically left because of creative differences with AMC as well. And The Walking Dead is found, I mean, it's not like, you know, the show collapsed. Even in its darker years, it still pulled huge numbers for the network. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's, it is probably the one of the better zombie shows on the planet in terms of just, you know, production value and just overall greatest of the show. But, yeah, it's coming to an end. How's Fear of the Walking Dead? Did that ever go anywhere? The spinoff in California? There are a few things I dislike more than that show. <laughs> I remember that came out. I was like, oh, that might be cool. And then... Yeah, it's bad. It's... it's <laughs> it's Oh, it's so bad. I feel like that might be because they didn't have the comics to no, that's, go off of. But they had such a good premise. A, a show about a family at the start... Because, you know, The Walking Dead starts so far after. You know, you see... Everybody, but imagine a city burning i mean but like robert kirkman wrote such a good graphic novel of it kind of gave like the base for that's the true show. that's true but still they already had a good base and they just they deliberately ignored it like they no, they did an episode where there was a riot of zombies versus police and like people mixed in no because like you know people didn't know what was happening so like zombies would end up being like because the police shut down the city people yeah. rioted then the zombies would be interspersed there because people didn't know what was going on and our main characters hid behind it we didn't see a thing we heard a car explode, but that was it. And I'm like, are you serious? That could have been an hour-long masterpiece I feel like episode. they don't have as much money as the regular Walking Dead, no, they, so they couldn't really do they that. They don't, but the original Walking Dead didn't have much money at all at the beginning either. It was not very but financially backed. At the beginning, backed. a lot of their money went to the makeup. They didn't really have those big set pieces, so, as they do, like, but, for tanks rolling in to take down the prison. But, but it it could have it should have given, given that money because if it had produced, it would have earned that money. But it didn't produce. But okay, that I agree. I agree. You asked. I know. I was. I wasn't disagreeing with you on right. anything. Now, this is a message I've got to everybody listening on this show. It's a step-by-step process. You get out your notepad, start taking notes. Make a mental notepad if you're, you know, driving and can't and can't write anything down. So step one. No. Get, no. 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 Park your car. Park your car. Yes. Keep get listening. Get out your notepad that we keep writing. Oh, your, law, okay. your your yellow lawyer right. pad that we all know you yep. have and write it down. So step one. Step one. Log on to Amazon. Step two, find access to Amazon Prime, right? If you don't have it, steal it from a friend, a la how we all handle Disney Plus or vice versa. <laughs> Step three, go into the search bar once you have uh, Amazon watch Prime. Watch the boys. Shh. I got it. Shh. Oh, sorry. Don't you sorry. dare interrupt me, no, Forget what I just said. Erase what I just said. Erase that. Erase that. Erase Park that. Park your car again. Download Amazon Instant Video. Log in. Type in the boys on the oh search bar. <laughs> Click episode one. Watch. Watch episode two. Watch episode three. Watch episode okay, four. Stop. Don't don't watch name episode it. five. <laughs> watch episode six. Oh watch episode seven. Watch episode eight. You know they just go to season they, two. They clicked off the, the podcast. Right go now. to season two. Watch episode <laughs> one. Watch episode I don't have any two. control over his mic, people. I, I, if I did, three. I turn it off. Watch episode four. Watch episode five. Are you count? Are you? Are you? That's it. Watch episode five because that's the most recently. Are you the count episode. right now? Yeah, yes, I One, am. One, <laughs> two. Yes, because let me just tell you something. The Boys is the best show on television currently, and if you're not watching it, 
you're missing out. It is quite gory. It's quite graphic. It's quite oh, adult. Let me so warn. You know. Let me warn you. This show is not for the faint of heart. It is not for children. But it is still the best show on but television. Watch it with your children anyway. Because good bonding experience right there. We yeah, like. Yeah. We like. To, we like to see it. But this show is the best thing going on television, and it or not technically, technically not television because it's you know on Amazon Prime. But it is so incredibly good. I'm not going to go into the details because Davis, you haven't even seen it, have you? No, but I know most. I know like a lot of the stuff about it. It's actually based on a comic too. Yeah, it is. It is based on a graphic novel, also of the same name, and it is such a good show. I recommend everyone listening to this podcast at least give it a, give it a listen or give it a watch. I mean, excuse me. I think I think it's the best time that this could have come out with like the peak of all the comic book movies because the yep. boys is really just a satire. It is. It's it's it. It, it is a, it it is a mockery. Evil these yep superheroes actually probably be it, it, it is a mockery of the you know happy-go-lucky superhero they deliberately do that with a certain character who is a mockery of you know the all or captain what, america yes he, he he's he's a clear mockery of that and of that you know truth justice the american way nonsense that you know well, seemed, captain america was propaganda that's like how he started really the first comic was him punching hitler Oh, it yeah, started out as just propaganda for the well, in that case, kids reading comics to get onto the World War II bandwagon. I see, I see. Okay, well, I actually didn't And it's kind of kept that up. I mean, like, different writers kind of change it, but at its core, it's just yeah. uh, and that, American and that, propaganda. And that's, and that's what the show mocks, which is why the show is one of the best on... Te- it is the best on television, in my opinion. I love every minute of it. You know, and the thing is, it is a show that perfectly, perfectly handles the characters it has because a lot of comic book movies, you know... Even in, okay, Infinity War and Endgame. I would say that those movies at times do a great job of handling everybody's individual stories, and other times it just, you know, becomes a three person story where everybody else is in the background. The Boys has something for every character. I've watched it with five people. We all have a different favorite character. And it's not, you know, because we just latch on to some, you know, character that nobody else likes. It's because they all have moments where you can really latch on and become connected to those characters. Now, I'm saying connected very loosely because. They're not nice people that you're connecting with. They're norm- the superheroes are bad. This is that is the gimmick. If you don't know that by now, sorry for the spoiler, but it's what it is. Yeah, they're bad. And everybody has something to watch it for, and that's what makes it so good. Actually, can we talk about the I've seen the opening scene of it. Of how the guys like standing on the curb. We can talk about that, just kinda like give them a give them an idea of what's happening. Opening scenes is wait, wait. Oh, you got it. Okay, You've so spoiler it. alert to everybody that is listening. If you haven't seen the boys it's not really a spoiler. We're just telling them what happens, like kind of the general opening scene. It's not an opening scene, though. Is that not the opening scene? No, it's it? not. It's not. Okay. Then. In, fa- in fact, actually, correction, we're not going to go into it again because I okay. Really, I, th- I watched a video of people watching it. I had not, you know, I watched it last summer when it came out. I did not expect any of that, and I was like, "Oh, this is this show's for real." So yeah, we're not going to spoil anything. Actually, we're just going to let you all go ahead and watch it yourselves. I really do recommend it, though. It's an incredible show. And now, the biggest news of the last few weeks. The Disney Plus remakes made an appearance again with Mulan. Mulan was intended to be released. And hint, hint, we're gonna. The rest of the show is gonna kind of be about the remakes because there's this a lot to discuss. Our segue. That, that it, it is, and this, and it is because this is the biggest news that's been going on. A trailer, a TV show, does not compare to what Disney's putting out because it's Disney. So they they own us. They do, in basically. fact. Yeah, like I have a Disney tattoo because they <laughs> branded me. That's not. They got. They've got me. That's a little controversial. They're coming for you next. That's, they're buying everyone. Not say that. I'm a Disney pawn. <laughs> okay, so Disney released Mulan on Disney Plus because you know the the theaters and with COVID nineteen quarantine, 
you know, you can't open theaters because that's, I mean, that's a hotbed for it. people just sitting in the same room for three to four hours watching a movie. Risk. Four hours. Okay, Good like Lord. just in total, what people, get there, people get there early. People you watch in, them War and Peace. No, people get there early. People yeah, in there yeah, the whole fair. in the building. They're in that same that's area fair. for a contained amount of time, which is not ideal. So, they released Mulan on Disney Plus. They also charge money for it. That's so what uh, thirty bucks, thirty five dollars to see Mulan, which would not even be the ticket price of a movie theater to see it by yourself. That they, that is emphasizing that you see it with somebody. Because why would you pay thirty five dollars by yourself now? Davis and I have not seen Mulan because we're not going to pay the $35. That's and we're not going to pirate it. Okay. I, I, I wasn't going to watch it anyway, no matter what. But I anyway. we got to take a stance, Alex. Okay. okay, All right. Fine. And that's technically against the law. I, I, I agree. I'm just saying. I, okay. What are you doing? Davis, this is ridiculous. You need, you need, you need to stop. So, don't pirate people. Or do. I don't care. I'm not the government. What am I going to do? Davis, you, you you can't okay, you can't say any of that. Um we'll just cut it out. So anyway, as I was saying with the Mulan things, so they release it, and I've not seen it, you have not seen it, but we'll just say this. It has been critically panned by just about everybody. I'm not gonna go into spoilers, I'm not gonna go into reviews, but Mulan has been the, has received the opposite of universal acclaim because most people do not like this movie and it has not received a lot of positive press for the price, for just the quality of the movie. For it, the things happening around the shooting, the shoot. What do you mean? Like where they filmed it and the actor and the actresses within it, there was kind of some controversy. I, I didn't even know about that, but again, there's controversy there. There's controversy with the remake, with the, the creative decisions made. And this speaks to a bigger problem that Disney currently has because... The Disney remakes at their inception were a bit of a cash cow because because cash cow or cash grab. I would say cash cow because they made Disney money. Okay, that was that was the issue. It's a cash grab by Disney, but it also there's no negative of making it because it makes I, you money. That's fair. Because the the live action remakes are as such. The Cinderella live action remake in 2015. I've not seen. I hear it's a decent movie. It did well. It did decently I forgot well. about that. One. The Beauty and the Beast live action remake. I heard that one's pretty good. There's the Aladdin one. Mulan I like that one. And the Lion King, and then the Jungle Book ones, which there's like five or six. It seems. I don't. Like. Yeah. There's is, so is it, isn't uh, Bill Murray the Baloo in that? Yeah. He actually is pretty good. I saw. I saw. I like, him. He's I love good. Baloo. Bill Murray, good character, good uh, voice actor. Baloo, good character, worked out. But that's not necessarily the point. The point is that as Disney is making them. Every single one is shrouded in controversy at some point because we're going to go down the line other than Cinderella. Cind Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast I were mean, pretty like, much almost immune to it, but there were minor problems within because, again, it was, it was just a live-action movie of the same story. And then with Beauty and the Beast, you know, um, it, was a, it was a good movie, but it has some controversy with the changing of um, Gaston's second-hand man. There was some, like, uh, controversy around the character. I don't recall what, but there was, again, controversy with that. Then you get across to The Lion King, the live-action remake, which, Davis, mo both of us have seen that movie, correct? Say it again. Or I've only seen The Lion King. I've, I've seen, okay. I saw Aladdin. So, all right, we'll, so we'll go to you for that one. So I saw The Lion King. Controversy surrounded that film with, you know, the simple um, I, I, I found out the, the Beauty and the Beast controversy. I think I remember, but it, we don't have to really get into okay. it. It's just con controversy, controversy. And honestly, it's a we, stupid controversy. Yeah, we could get into get controversy technical. on everything, but that the point I, I'm is. I'm going to touch on it. I have a big point I want to talk about after we kind of get through it. I was talking to you about it earlier. Yeah, yeah. 
So once once we kind of give our thoughts yeah. about each one. So with Lion King, you know, it's a movie that I really did not think was that good. It's a it's a, I mean it is a remake. A lot of it's the same. The things they changed, I'm not sure I enjoyed. They oh, there's need- also a Lady in the Tramp remake. You didn't say that. Oh yeah, the, we're, and the I'm, Dumbo one. Oh yeah, I, I keep forgetting to be honest. But again, these movies are all becoming sort of these just they're just remakes. That's all they are, and they're they feel unnecessary because the Lion King felt unnecessary. And then the things they changed, they changed the voice actor for Scar, and Jeremy Irons was amazing in the original. They muted a lot of the Hans Zimmer score and a lot of the songs. It was all very sort of dulled down, which it made sense because it was supposed to be realistic. But it still it just didn't work. F- for me personally, I did not think it was a very good movie. And then Aladdin, you saw it, and I actually really liked it. And but again, there's only so much you can do because it is a remake. And they actually changed quite a bit. They, did, actually. they actually they kind of add like a more subplot about how Aladdin and Jasmine met. I see. They met like in the streets. Jasmine was down there like doing charity work, so it kind of gave you more of a character besides just oh this princess in the castle. I haven't actually seen the cartoon Aladdin in a long time. Yeah, same, some of these subplots same. might have been just yeah. already in there. I just don't remember them. And then. Obviously, Apu's not as like he's he's like a character, but he's not as big. Yeah, he, he is he's a big part of it, but like he's not really as cartoonish. And then uh, Jafar's Gilbert Godfrey, the Gilbert Godfrey parrot, whatever the, his name is in it, he doesn't talk. He just repeats them. I mean, it's, it's obviously more realistic. So yeah, I, I actually course. I really liked it. Will Smith killed it. The actor and actress for Jasmine and Aladdin loved him, and the music slapped. I was jamming out like this. The um, oh, you, I'm not gonna know the song, Davis. So. Prince Ali, the Prince Ali song. I, I won't know it. But Make way for Prince Ali. That one, Will Smith. I listen to that sometimes, just out of the blue. It's a good song. And even if that, even though that was a good movie that received positive reviews, it still had the controversy with the initial Will trailer of Will Smith. And he does look a little janky in it a little and bit. It, and that's the point that I'm trying to make is that these Disney remakes, a lot of them feel, in my opinion, pointless. They're like they they are just a cash grab, and the changes they make are controversial because when you're making a remake, you know you you don't you have a mix of the Lion King where it's all the same, but then they make these unnecessary changes. Then Mulan was the perfect was the not perfect the dangerous mix of they made a lot of controversial changes and it also hurt the quality of the film. Like I thought the Lion King movie stood up because it saved a lot of the original content, and it, but then again that makes it just repetitive because you've already seen it. Okay, so I don't think you say they were bad, right? You don't really like them. As I, I, in general, the remakes. I say, I say they feel pointless because unless they make big leaps and bounds, you know, they feel redundant. But when they do make big leaps and bounds, it messes with every kid's nostalgia, which is what happened with Mulan, partly. Okay, so I don't. I personally think the animal ones are pointless. Yeah, Lion King, Lady and the Tramp, Dumbo. I mean, like Dumbo, that kind of had some. Like looking back on it now, the original one, there's some uh, very aged stuff in it. Some very 1940s, 50s, 60s, like type stuff in it. So the remakes kind of to probably distance themselves from that. So that kind of makes sense. But I think the ones with the humans, with the human characters, I I like the idea of it. Because in these original, the cartoons, like it's these characters from these different areas in the world, and they're not really like. Like, but they're not really. Yeah, they're cartoon characters. Like Aladdin and Jasmine, they're obviously from like the Middle East, but like, it, it's a cartoon. Yeah. So like, you can only relate so to much them. you can do. But with the live action one, they got actors and actresses that are actually from the Middle East that have this history, that have this heritage from there to play it, to like give these kids these 
kids from the Middle East, the kids in the Middle East, to watch it and give someone to look up to. And I, I think that's and a really good thing. I think that is I think that is a good point. And I think that's something they did with Mulan again. But the problem is that Disney's running into an issue where they're finding a way to alienate a portion of their audience. These are no longer complete cash cows. I think it's the alienation is really just nostalgia, though. No, it people, is. People it hate is. on The Lion King because it's not good. Like, I don't think that was necessary. I think it was just because they're it's one of their biggest ones, so might as well remake it. But, like, I saw people hating on Aladdin because it's, it's a remake. People don't like remakes. But that's actually genuinely a good movie. I, no, and I, I think that that may be the nostalgia, but I'm saying that Disney's in a difficult position where these movies are no longer guarantees. You're going to annoy somebody in some way. If you just made Mulan straight off exactly as it was, it would just be a cookie-cutter remake. But now you change so many things, and people are already going with a negative attitude, and then you make changes that are risky that the changes did not work based on what I've heard. They were not great for the story. I've heard some people say it was actually pretty good. I, I've heard some people say it's bad. I, but people again, were mad about divisive. there's no music. And that's that's not what I saw at all, actually. I, I saw I, explicitly the plot. Yeah, I saw a thing about the music kind of helped the plot. And I think the music does help. I think Mulan maybe should have had... I get they're trying to make it more dramatic. And, like, I think that's a good story to try to do with, but they didn't really pull it off. They didn't stick the landing. But Aladdin, they kept the music. They added some more songs in there. They kind of gave it its own flair to it. Its own, like... uh. Like, it's kind of... it's yeah. It's a new, nice, shiny coat of paint. It's probably not as good as the original Aladdin. But it's still a good movie, and I, I think kids would should look up, look at it, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's someone from where I'm from." I think that's good, but I I get that they might not be as good in some of them. Yeah, and I just think that the whole Disney remake project has hit a bit of a roadblock because it's already become so divisive for people. You know, it's already very sort of you know. People hate it. People like it. You know, some people are just meh to it. Like sometimes I'm gonna see Disney like I saw the Lady Trim and I was just like I didn't I didn't hate it. I was just like okay you know so the question becomes what is the movie that Disney remakes wait next? one more thing and about the remakes I think it does give Disney a chance to kind of fix the mistakes of the past because that's fair like some Pocahontas yeah like there's a lot wrong with that movie some some of their older movies again that that is a very good point but again they haven't done that yet I think really. I think if they like they can remake Pocahontas they can make kind of flesh her character out more and not make it such a boring film that's fair that's fair it's just uh, you can name other movies too but like uh, yeah however there is one movie that I think a small group of fans will agree Disney should remake and none of them are gonna listen to this and a true a true fan of Disney will know that the one movie Disney should remake as a live action as an incredible space up movie is Treasure Planet I mean come on this movie is from my childhood. It's, it's one also of my, from my childhood. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love every minute of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down a list of things we have here and break down the movie. I'd say we start out with... First, I want to start out with the plot. Yeah. You can... You mean since, cha- change the... Well, like no, 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 no. You. Oh, me. Because I feel like a lot of people listening have either not heard of this movie or have not seen right. it. Okay. So, so I... Look, we're going to... This might be a little rough, people. Just you're like, I don't have any planned it out beforehand. We're gonna roll with it, but we're gonna go over who wrote it and all that. Some background yeah, yeah. of it, and then all we'll right. go into our little segments. Right. So I'll go into a bit of a background on Treasure Planet. So Treasure Planet was created by by Ron Clements and John Musker, the creators of of Aladdin, Little, Little Mermaid, and Hercules, among and others, and Moana, and later on Moana, but and I, Princess and the Frog, but at, at 
at the time, this is what they had made. And this was their next big project. This is a project they came up in 1985. It's essentially Treasure Island in space. It is Treasure Island. It, it is. It is. It is. It is Treasure. It's called I mean, that's treasure called Treasure planet. planet because they're not looking for an island of treasure. They're looking for a planet. Now, I don't want to spoil too much of it yet. And we're just going to spoil as we go down the line. But that is essentially the plot. There's not a lot extra really to figure out. I mean, you know, it just it'll do the side elements that it has. But it is Treasure Island in space. And this movie should be remade by Disney to right the wrongs of the past that were handled with this movie because this movie did not succeed at the box office. It was a failure of a movie in terms of, you know, financially. And it was the end of the 2D animation era. Now, Ron Clements and John Musker, the creators of it, had come up with the idea in 1985. And they went to Disney and they said, we want to make this movie. Disney's like, that's a horrible idea. Make The Great Mouse Detective, okay? They go That's back again. They go back again. We want to make this. Nope. Make The Little Mermaid. Okay. It's a good movie. We want, to, we want to make this movie. Nope. Make Aladdin. Okay. We want to make this movie. Okay. We'll make Hercules, but the next movie will be Treasure Planet no matter what. They set the deal. So, Treasure Planet is made. It combines the 2D animation of the past that had been used and the brand new 3D animation that was beginning to take center stage thanks to the progressions of Pixar. It is an incredible looking film in terms of its animation style. It's very unique. However, it was very, very expensive because it was combining two pieces of technology. Very diff it, That was very difficult. And we'll get into that a little later as well. So, where did this movie go wrong? First, it was not marketed very well. They spent roughly $40 million in marketing. However, their main trailer that went around the, or went around the airwaves showed the main plot, main like climax of the plot which is when Silver leads his mutiny, as in Treasure Island, in the, in, the, in the film. They show him raising his sword as the flag goes behind him. And that's the trailer that released all in theaters. So then you say, why would I go see a movie that tell? I mean, because the crux of the movie is the relationship between Silver and Jim. That is, that is the main plot. Treasure Planet, sure, they want to find the treasure. But really, when you watch that film, I personally focus on them. I don't know about you. But I focus on those two characters. Yeah. So... Essentially, the movie was marketed because, in that way, because as the rumor goes, I won't say there's any confirmed thing, as the rumor goes, Disney wanted to leave the 2D animation in the past. They had released Leo and Stitch, but Pixar was destroying everybody. Even DreamWorks got in the game, and Shrek won the first ever animated Oscar in their 3D animation. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I mean, at the later. time, that was a really good... At the time. At the I time. mean, like, looking back on it, it looks so I mean, it, all, it beat Monsters, Inc., but that's beside the point. So I think Shrek's better than Monsters Inc. Personally, I mean, like Monsters Inc. is really good, but Shrek is a lot funnier. Okay, that Shrek that's is a lot. This funnier. is an argument for another day, but Disney decides they want to be able to leave the 2D animation in the past. So the rumor goes they intentionally marketed this movie to fail. They released it right up next to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, one of the most popular book series of all time and film franchise of all time. You released it on that weekend, and you marketed horribly, and the movie failed. So then they're like, well, your dream failed. And then they basically put 2D animation in the past. And of course, Musker and Clements came back to make Prince and the Frog, which was an ode to the 2D animation. That's what that film was. Because that's a good movie. And it was. And that's how Disney works. You know, they they're gonna it, they intentionally get rid of something like, oh fans, here it is back. They they honestly so like, it's like you, you know, like the Coke New Coke thing? It's exactly that. Honestly, it reminds me of how Vince McMahon runs wrestling, but that's a whole separate issue entirely. I can give you that. No, we won't, no, we won't, no, we won't. I'm sorry. I just had to 
so that is essentially the background of what happened with Treasure Planet. And that's why I think Disney should remake it because marketed correctly, I think this is a movie that could get a lot of attention from the general audience because it has a big cult following. And I think, you know, the the whole idea is that, you know, pirates is a is a taboo, you know, you don't want to touch that topic because it didn't At sell well. At the time well. it was. At the time it was. And now it's like on fire. And I think now people are waiting for it to come back because, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of faltered. So what's the next big thing? And I think if you make this movie well and make it with a good budget and market it well, it could make a lot of money for Disney because it it is a very impressive looking movie. You could make it look good so in the trailers. Would you want them to remake it like with actual people, or do you want them to remake it as like as a many mix, people as you can, or as like a two D three D mix as, like it was? Um. As just many, like a fresh coat of paint of it. No, not a fresh. No, like I'm talking like you know, make it real people CGI, merge it together. Honestly, make it like Avatar. I don't know. I I don't know if I want that. I no. think I think this movie works best with kind of like the fantastical landscapes of the drawn thing. Because when you bring it, when you make it real people, you also have to bring the realism, like they are doing with all these Disney remakes. So obviously they're in space, so then they're going to wear space helmets and all that. And then it's going to have to be more. I feel like if they make it real, they're going to have to make it more realistic in terms of space science. If you want, That's true. And uh, I don't think it'd work point. as well if they had to, like, let me get my air tank to go and clean the galley of the ship. I, I, sp- I suppose that is a good point. However, that's essentially my case for why it should be remade. I think it should be remade. But now, Davis, let's talk about the movie itself. I've seen it a million times. I love seen it, it quite but a you, few as well. you saw it just recently, so... Well, I used to watch it when I was a kid, too. I mean, yeah, but I've watched it recently, like, as in, like, I've watched it five times in the last year. That's and also, my mom hates this movie. Just want to throw that out there. For some very, reason. Very disappointing. She also hates uh, Lion King, Pocahontas, and she's not that big a fan of Mulan and Aladdin. That's tough. But she can t- tough. she likes those, but not as much. We'll talk about her taste on the next episode, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so... Do you want to just go down? We had like a list of things we would go through about breaking down this movie. So do you want to do? Do you want to do that? Or do you want to give it like a very general impression first? I say we do the impression and kind of talk about because they have some. This is a pretty good cast. Yeah. That they got. Yeah. A twenty-one-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Is the headline of this cast? It, it is. It is a well cast. I mean, that's how Disney works. They always have good voice actors in the background. So, I mean, again, this movie is. It, for me, it works from so, for so many levels. I mean, the te- it is technically just mar- a marvel to look at. The 3D and 2D animation blends perfectly together. Silver is one of the cooler looking characters on the f- I've ever seen with the way his 3D arm merges with his own 2D. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Exa- I mean, it, it works so seamlessly well. You don't even notice it unless you're looking for it. And once you look for it, you're like, wow, that's incredible. And then, of course, I mean, you know, it really is a spare no expense with the shots. They're going to make everything look as massive and it, I mean the shot when it zooms onto the moon space station I mean I think that is an incredible that's a good shot shot itself. and I, I really like all the designs of it because yeah. I I grew up a really big pirate fan As and I'm a really big space guy now space is awesome to me and I think they kind of blended those two kind of the same idea like the same thing but totally different aspects because a pirate is an explorer on the water and an astronaut is an explorer in space but they are in two completely, not even the close to the same environments, but they combine them into this like believable thing. They had the ships that still looked like a pirate ship, but it added these space things. had solar sails, which are actual concept. I thought it was cool to have that. And then they had all the space things to take over from waves. They had the black hole and stuff. It, I really loved all that. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, from, from that aspect, it really, I think it really worked well together. And I think, but, it, 
But how did the flag flap in the wind? They're in space. Well, okay, so that actually brings me up to um, a quote at the beginning of the film. Are you ready? Yes. So the, the And this quote I'll talk about later because we have a section called Favorite Quotes from the Film because there's some good ones in there. I list some. So the quote goes like this. It's the opening shot directed by Tony Joy, who I think is the or not direct narrated, excuse me, narrated by Tony Joy. He says, on the clearest of nights, when the winds of the Ethereum were calm and peaceful, the great merchant ships with their cargoes of Arcturian Sura crystals felt safe and secure. Now the key is the, the winds, winds, of, is the the winds of the Ethereum. It establishes that this is not going to be a very you know they're going to take bases of science with gravity and whatnot, but they this is a unique landscape it is not traditional space as we know it it's not traditional space from star wars or anything else it is a new concept and new interpretation all right and they established that in the first i think they did that intentionally because a tony joy's lines and narration is incredible that the voice is the nice little book exactly and the, and the book and the way they do that and i think they did that to establish that this is a different kind of place than we're used to so that's that's a fair question okay. now uh also have some other things should we get into spoilers now I think we've kept it pretty spoiler-free so far. But, like, my next few things kind of have some spoiler stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into spoilers. All right. So Actually, this... one thing before spoilers. I was talking to you about this before. If you've seen this movie, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you have not, you can just picture in your head. There is a song in it with in a montage that I really, really like. The montage is great, but the song... The song is perfect. It, it's all right. Like, I don't hate it, but it is so aged to the 2002 release date. It sounds like... It's just grunge rock. It, it is. It, it sounds like 2002 in my ears. I'm like, oh. It is a song sung by the um, Goo Goo Dolls. Yes, by the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. So that's a fair point. A prominent 2000 band. Yeah, yeah that's it a just kind of gives like a Nickelback vibe. That you can say, you can I, say what you want about Nickelback. I love the song personally. So I'm. I mean, I, I don't hate it really, but like, it just kind of ages that like that really good montage i'm like this is from 2002 yeah that's fair all right so now we're gonna get we're gonna set the spoiler right now if you haven't seen the movie pause your podcast get out your the car movie, watch the movie sit inside of the watch the movie and then listen to us and we'll talk if more you're in a plane land the plane yeah i mean might as well so davis why don't you go ahead uh, uh just a few more notes we have and then we'll start getting to the segment thing yeah uh i had doppler who was played by David High Pierce. Yeah. Decently big name at the time, not as big now, but like you still kind of know the name. And uh, Captain, what's her last, Cap- I just had Captain. I've got it, hold up. Uh, play- Captain, Captain Amelia, Amelia, played by Emma Thompson, who's in Saving Mr. Banks, a really good movie with Tom Hanks in as well. Indeed. And she's also Nanny McPhee, among other things. She's a really good actress. I said Captain and Doppler's relationship actually feels pretty genuine because they kind of meet on the ship and they kind of like, kind of joke around with each other and then there's the joke i'll let you say it because <laughs> the joke the joke actually we'll say that why don't we say that for the quote okay, section okay. there's a joke in it that it, like is, doppler kind of slips up with his words a lot it, it is it there's a lot of those and we'll get into that as well when we get to that but any other than, anything else um okay i talked to you about this one and you did say the space isn't traditional but doppler is an astrophysicist that's true and they're on the ship and then this supernova happens. Right. A supernova is obviously kind of like the explosion of a star. And right after that, or it's actually, it's the collapse of a star to a singularity and it kind of explodes and that singularity becomes a black hole. I'm not sure if I'm completely right. I need to look it up again. I used to know. I'm not entirely sure now. But after supernova, a black hole forms. Right. And like that's just a thing that we know. And the astrophysicist, this smart guy Doppler goes, 
oh my gosh, a black hole's forming. Who would have guessed it? He doesn't say who would have guessed it. He's basically, who would have thought He hesitates because he's not sure what he's seeing because he's never been in space. Okay, that's fair, but he also has seen, he has to seen them though. Davis, he's never he's never witnessed it in person. Nope. I mean, I don't know about that because he is an astrophysicist. He, no, but he he's so no. Okay, but he is an astrophysicist. But Davis, do you recall when he gets his spacesuit? Yes. He, it is it is prefaced in the film that he has no experience. But it, if he knows that's a supernova, which he did, then he should know a black hole is going to come. In out. the heat of the moment, I'm sure he's just thinking, okay, we need to get away from the supernova, not okay that we're about to get sucked in by a black hole. I'm sure that there's that to factor in as well. Okay, so. Now, I, just, uh, I was watching that scene. I was like, come we're on, gonna, we're gonna, We broke this down to a couple segments of just different things in ways we can talk about the movie. So first thing, is there any plot point you want to change? We have a change plot point segment where we're just going to you know, pick something from a film that we would like to change up and make different. I personally can't think of anything. Wait, let me find my... I have, I have to find it. Davis is just essentially... Did I have one? Oh my gosh. It's kind of embarrassing. Davis, this is, this is, this is sad. I would say the one thing that I would change is I would change the just the entire character of Ben because I think he feels very different from the film because, you know, one of the reasons this movie probably didn't sell very well is because a lot of their jokes are very, you know, they're kind of, you know, above your head. You have to really be listening for the... And we'll get into that with the quote section. I found mine, by the way. But I would just change him up a bit because he feels very slapstick comedy compared he, to the rest of it. He 100% is. And, okay, so my plot point was, and you kind of argue with me about this. We kind of already talked yeah. about this. Spoiler alert, uh, Mr. Arrow, who's kind of like the second-hand man on the ship, and the crab guy. I can't remember who played the crab guy. Scroop. Scroop? That's his name, yeah. Scroop? Yes. What a Scroop. dumb name. Well, I mean, he, he, he looks He's pretty, a space crab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spa- spider crab thing. Spider anyway. crab. So, anyway. So Jim's supposed to look after the lines, and... He does, and they're all tied and everything, but Scroop cuts Mr. Arrow's line, and he gets sucked into the black hole in this kind of big moment, big scene. It was a really good scene. And then, so Captain Amelia, who's really good friends with Mr. Arrow, they've been on so many voyages together, she goes, where's Mr. Arrow? And they're like, oh, he just died. He just got sucked into that black hole, and he got spaghettified. It's actually what happens in black hole, by the way, if you didn't know. I didn't. They was just running all this random stuff. Yeah. Anyway. And then she's like, hey, Jim, did you check the ropes? He's like, I swear I did, I swear. And she's like, I'm disappointed in you. But she's like, has a personal relationship with that guy. She doesn't, nothing comes out of it, really, in my opinion. I think that... Like, she doesn't really talk to him about it. There's no scene where she's like, where he's like, I swear I didn't, I don't know what happened, or anything. There's nothing really that comes out of it. I think that scene was more supposed to be, to have an effect on Jim himself and not have an effect on her, because I think she as a captain knows she can't just, you know... I think, yeah, but I, I get that has an effect on Jim, but it could also have an effect on her and kind of flesh out her character more, because all that happens later on is she gets shot and then she can't do anything. That's, yeah, that's fair. But if she also that's had a fair. kid, I, I get it's a kids movie. They don't want to get too deep into the that's fair guilt yeah. and the depression of yeah. losing a close one. Even though Jim kind of, it's that whole movie's about Jim losing his father and trying to find a father figure to replace him. That's that's a good point. Yeah, that's mine. Okay, so what's the next one? So then, change one voice actor. I would change one, and it relates to my change plot. I think in order to, if you're going to make Ben the not so slapstick character, Martin Short doesn't really fit. I mean, Martin Short in the role that he plays is great, but to make Ben a more 
serious character, which is what I'm kind of looking for. That's the one thing I, where he shows up in the film and I'm not nearly as interested. I would just switch out him because, again, this movie is incredibly voice acted, including um, the actor Patrick McGuhan, who played Edward Longshanks from Braveheart, was actually uh, Billy Bones at the beginning. Oh, yeah, good old Billy Bones. Yeah, and again, even that small role gets an incredible uh, voice actor as well. I would just change Martin Short because, again... To who? I don't know to who. Oh, you don't personally. know. You're supposed to ask I, someone. <laughs> if I, you can't think of anybody, they just... I got one because mine is also for Ben. All right, well, you, why don't you say it? Maybe I'll agree. So mine still kind of plays into the comedy aspect of him. I, I like your point that he should be a little more serious because he has gone crazy in a sense, but yeah. he's a robot too. I think... And I think Martin Short did do a good job. And sometimes the voice really fit for me, but other times it just kind of seemed like this character design did not really fit Martin Short's voice to me. And I thought Danny DeVito, and he was just coming off Hercules where he was the satyr. I can't remember his name in it. I feel like he was racing on their mind, and I feel like Danny DeVito can really play kind of like either that really funny guy or kind of the guy that gets serious on you because he's gone crazy. I think uh, I like Danny DeVito's voice for those type of characters too. I think I, I agree. I think that's actually that's a very I would have picked that one as well. It's a good choice. Boom. That's a very good choice. All right, and now <laughs> this is a new thing. Uh, we, we, have, we don't really have one for that, do we? You're right. We'll table it. Actually. Yeah, we're tabling we're, it. We're, it's we're gonna, a surprise for next. Gonna, week. That's a surprise for next week. So then, um, you know, I talked about this movie, and one of the things I love about this movie is that the dialogue is so absurd and ridiculous at times. And it really is very funny. It is a movie that I have found ten times funnier that I'm older than I was than I would have when I was younger, because a lot of the stuff they say when I was younger, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really understand. And I think that that's one of the reasons I love this movie is because, you know, it's not just, you know, it looks good and the music is great and whatnot. It had it. The dialogue is very well written. You know, there's no wasted scene. The narration at the beginning. Um, Billy Bones in t- every line is, you know, hinting at silver, uh, like talk- talking about like his gears churning and like the haunting sound of it, which I think is a great part as well. Everything about this movie, not a single line is wasted. And now I don't know about you, Davis, but I've got some favorite quotes and I want to list them out because they're from the hilarious to the, you know, actually great. So of course there's Dr. Amelia to Dr. Dip. Uh, Dilbert Doppler when he Captain dis- Amelia Captain Amelia did I say Doctor Sorry Captain Amelia she says Doctor to to muse and blabber about a treasure map in front of this particular crew demonstrates the level of ineptitude that borders on the imbecilic and I mean that in a very caring way Yeah as a kid I was like <laughs> Wow she just I don't, I don't give it that I was means. like I, I don't know what the word imbecilic She's means just at being all. mean to him And that's one of my favorites but it's not my favorite quote uh, My brother's favorite quote because he when I said I was doing a Treasure Planet uh podcast he sent this immediately um captain amelia is talk captain amelia is talking to mr arrow about how she describes the crew and she says or mr arrow says that she called them a ludicrous parcel of driveling galoots i have no idea what any of that means to this day do you galoots galoots never heard of it i'm gonna look it up while you do your thing you you go ahead and look it up because i got i got nothing on that one a galoot is a clumsy or oafish person Often uses a term of abuse. It's an informal North American noun. If you're wondering. Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, write that down. Stop your car and write stop, that down. You better stop your if you're if you're driving again, I'm gonna make sure you stop and write down what good exactly. means. Exactly. And then of course there's the line that Davis alluded to earlier. After the black hole, uh Captain Milika thanks uh 
Captain Amelia thanks Dilbert for his <laughs> expert advice in the black hole and timing the waves to then shoot out of the black hole, which I'll get into that scene later because, oh my gosh, what a scene. But Dr. Dilbert says, uh, you're welcome. I have a lot to offer. And then he says anatomically three times before correcting to astronomically, which, of course, that <laughs> I wonder what that was referring to. Again, as a kid, I'm not sure I would have known what that word meant anatomically. I wouldn't put, I mean, I didn't know what, I mean, you, you, a five-year-old doesn't know what the human anatomy really is. And doesn't understand the meaning of that I didn't joke. I know how to spell of when I was five. Davis did not write the letter S when he was 15, but that's beside the point. I was not 15. I'm, I was like 19. That's worse. But that is one of my favorites. Probably his best quote, honestly, because he has some hilarious lines from that, from that film. And then, obviously, I mentioned the Tony Joy narration, pretty much all of it. I mean, his voice is just a perfect intro to that film. And... Do you have any favorite quotes specifically? You have some good ones here. I like the look at you glowing like a solar fire. I like that one. But I actually wrote one here that's not on your list. And I think it really kind of kind of shines to Long John Silver's character. At the end, it's like the last quote you hear from him where he gets off in the boat and Jim's like, hey, you stay out of trouble. And he says, have I ever done anything else? I don't know. I just feel like that. It's I mean, a, that's not a, the best good, quote. It's a good ending. It's a good ending to like that the, character. There's, like, he has a lot of other really good quotes. Say he's talking to Jim. He's like, you're going to be great and all that. I just really like that one. I thought that yeah. was like really it, to his character. It really that really is very fitting. But yeah, I gotta say the anatomically uh, quote is just so you coming out of the heat of that scene. You're and then he just they just throw it's just so so ridiculously absurd. And I gotta say that one. And then of course the imbecilic one also quite great. And now, I mean, one of the things that make this movie is there's a lot of moments that I remember. You know, there's a lot of great scenes that just run back to back and parallel together. I mean, even the simple shot that zooms into the spaceport, I think it's just a really cool and well, um, well executed scene. However, my favorite scene by far to this very day is the montage. The mon. Now look, this whole movie is pre- is predicated on the entire thing that. Jim has basically, you know, retreated into himself and become a bit of a loner, a bit of a rule breaker because his father left and he hasn't recovered. His mom says it deliberately at the beginning. It's perfectly executed exposition at the beginning that perfectly tells you what's going to happen or what's happening with Jim's character. So then you build up to it. You find Silver, and again, he's very reluctant to even deal with him. He makes jokes about, about him being a cyborg. He mocks him. And then it builds and it builds and it builds, and it has Silver standing up to Scroop for his sake. And then it builds this scene where they go on one of the uh, rafts together. And, well, that's the start of it, essentially. And is a montage of them working together and their friendship growing to the tune of that song that Davis does not like. I don't the t- like it. The song is titled I'm Still Here. It's one of my favorite songs. Ever? Honestly, you I love that. You should listen to more 2002 I, Grunge Rock. You might like some. I love that song, partly because of that movie. But that scene is just so well executed, in my opinion. Regardless of the music, I think okay, the montage. Okay, but tell me. Tell me. You're, just, you're driving your car. You just have like, just just a rock station on. It's playing like some, some Led Zeppelin or something, and then it plays "I'm Still Here." Yeah. Would you be able to tell that was that? Actually, no. It's just playing like Nickelback. You're just listening to grunge rock radio. Yeah. Would you be able to tell the difference between any of those songs? Yes. I get the first note could be like, oh, there's "I'm Still Here." You're like, oh yeah, it is. But then it's I only get it confused with one song. What's that? The the Google Doll song Iris. See that you shouldn't be able to get it confused with any. It's because it's sung by the same person, and it's the exact same thing. Davis, grunge rock is literally just three notes to me. That's this is so disappointing. But still, I think there there's a, there's something to be it said about. Maybe it's not even grunge. I personally think some, that, I, still a, a rock fanatic music. could like 
Aside from the music, I think that that scene, I really like that scene is the too. peak of the of the of the film. And the other one, actually, I'll let you say because I have a lot of favorite scenes. But you go ahead. You know, uh, I would have chose that scene. I actually wrote here fave scene is between montage with Sucky Jim's theme. That is literally what I wrote. Stop. But I think I'm gonna choose a sequence that begins with Long John Silver's redemption, where they're kind of where he's trying to grab all the gold, but then he decides instead of getting this gold, I'm gonna save Jim. And then to that, to the portal switch part. I think just kind of that whole sequence is yeah. just like off the chain, off yeah. the wall. And I, I really, again, I can go on and on because, I mean, the supernova scene I think is awesome. I think it's when the, the, the ship sinks into the black hole and like, you're just like, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? Are, th- they ride make? the waves. Exactly. And it works. And I, I and of course, Shock I waves. think, I think, you know, Scroop and uh, Mr. Arrow are building up to some sort of confrontation, but I don't think anybody realized they were just going to literally send him into the black hole. Like, man's just, I mean, he's this, you know, this stalwart sort of, okay, I'm kind of scared of he's this character. He's literally a rock. And, of course, part, yeah, that's true. Part of it is the voice, which, I mean, honestly, the voice is kind of scary. It's uh, Roscoe Lee Brown is the voice actor, and it's a very powerful, very intimidating voice. And then they just do that, and that really just, I mean, it really adds a whole level to that scene. And then, of course, you've got the scene at the beginning. I was going to say this as well. No scene in this film to me is wasted. There's no scene where I'm like, okay, this is just exposition. Like, everything builds to it. And I think that is epitomized at the beginning where we have the uh, the solar sail, like, uh, surfboard or whatever. And that that perfectly exemplifies that the character's a daredevil. That it clearly is a rule breaker. And it also does a great job of showcasing how different this movie will look. Because, I mean, it really showcases the 2D to 3D animation connection. And it really is an incredible scene because... I mean, it's just, it looks so good and it's very intense and the music is also very good. Uh, I think it's James Newton Howard who was the composer and he has done a lot of great films in his career. I'm going to look at his filmography just one second. He famously did King Kong and helped out with The Dark Knight and I Am Legend as well. He's got a lot of great uh, scores to his um, resume, I guess is the word. And I think that scene is well done and I just, also, I said, I wrote this down, every single time Scroop is on scene, I really like all of his scenes. I don't know. I just think he's an intimidating character. What are you, are, I'm just doing some research over here. Research on what? Treasure Planet. What about it? I was just, because there is, I was thinking of, you know, they, Lilo and Stitch, you mentioned that. There's one character in it that is literally a Lilo and Stitch, like, model. And I couldn't find a picture of her, but she's in, like, one of the first scenes. If you're watching, you've seen Lilo and Stitch. I can't remember the one-eyed guy that's like I don't know. But there's also a le- there's also a stitch doll on Jim's shelf when he's a kid. I didn't know that. I I didn't know it until I actually rewatched it. I was like, oh wait, look at that to the left. But yeah, I mean it just I could talk about this but movie yeah, forever. To your Scroop thing, I feel like the Monsters Inc. Spider Guy might have took some inspiration from him. Cause they are like, especially that scene when he's when he's chasing Jim down the hallways, the lights are flashing. I think that scene is awesome. I feel like the Spider Guy from Monsters Inc. is literally just stolen from Scroop. Yeah, I mean, uh, they both have spider legs. Wouldn't be surprising. Kind of menacing voices. Monsters Inc. actually came out before Treasure Planet. Did it really? Yeah. Okay, Monsters then two thousand two. I didn't know that. I didn't realize Monsters Inc. was in two thousand two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then Treasure's Planet. Yeah, evidently. So, like, I, I hate to I hate to ruin that part, but yeah, that's that's essentially it. I mean, he. Re, I mean, he really. I think he really does. Um, 
he, he fits the role of just, you know, cheap antagonist to, you know, scare the protagonist, and that's what he does. But I really, I really think, again, you know, this movie has some flaws. It, I think it, it kind of drags in the third act before they find, you know, the actual uh, treasure. Because, you know, there's that time where it's just, it does drag a bit. And, but I really think what makes this movie so great is the fact that it looks so good and the fact that Silver and Jim's relationship is perfect. I really think that the way it works and I think... The quotes that Silver deliver, the lines that Silver delivers, including "You got the makings of greatness in you, but you got to take the helm and chart your own course. Stick to it, no matter the squalls. And when the time comes, you'll get the chance to really test the cut of your sails and show what you're made of." And that's just that really is interesting because you know you see this character, and from the jump, you know he's the bad guy because Billy Bones, in all of his, you know. Dying in Jim's arms, he still manages to tell him about the cyborg. And you literally see Silver walk up to blow down the door. And it's it's in shadow, so you don't actually see him. Yeah, but it's unmistakably him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but And you're, this whole film, you know, it. I think it really does test you on that first watch because you're like, this is the bad guy. He's He is the villain. He is I the pirate. Thanos. They, they stole Thanos. Like, the nice villain. Or, like, the... <laughs> they stole it from Treasure Planet. Yeah, of course. Disney's like, wait, 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 guys. Wait, Marvel is Marvel. Biggest, well, yeah, I mean, Disney runs it. So. I just said DC. Oh, no, no, no. I said Disney. Disney's like, all right, gal. Kevin Feige, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. We've got a movie. <laughs> let me tell you make something. Make a sympathetic, sympathetic villain. Yeah, we've got a movie. It flopped at the box office, but let me tell you, this is the secret to our success. I think they should. I think Disney, I think, I'm pretty sure Disney had like an original Treasure Island thing. Like in the '60s, I think, like yeah. a live-action one. They did, and they also had the Muppets Treasure yeah. Island. That's not the one I'm thinking of, though. I think they should try to make just maybe not a Treasure Planet, because like if they make a Treasure Planet, it's not as good. Then, then you have this one. But I think they should try to make another Treasure Island, because I think that is a solid story to work off of and kind of give it another spin. Just could use a higher budget, higher production value, just to honestly a better even written script. I think a Treasure Island would be a cool. But maybe just like another spin on it, another possible spin that that's, they could do. That's what Treasure Planet was. Treasure Planet did work uh, yeah, as that yeah. other. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see any other versions of Treasure Island there are because it's kind of like it's kind of like a stereotypical secret looking for treasure story. The yeah, that's uh, fair. Treasure Island and Treasure, yeah. treasure Planet. It literally is Treasure Island, but I just. I feel like this movie gets a bit of a bad rap because like people like criti- oh I saw one critique. I want to ask you this. Because, you know, this movie can be divisive. The people that love it love this movie. I love this movie. But the people that don't do not like it at all, and they think it's, it's, mom, think it's yeah. a mess. One guy said that he thinks the whole po- the ships in space thing was ridiculous. And I'm like, I thought it was really cool. I mean, like, if you want to get technical, if you want to look at it from a realistic oh, space yeah. perspective, then if, yeah. If but... you want to put on your interstellar glasses and look at this film, it's a mess. But that's not the point. <laughs> I mean, that's not at all the point. You yeah. want to put your interstellar glasses on for any part of any Star Wars movie, then you're in trouble. Like, I, I'm really, like, all the space stuff I really love, just in general, just space. So I, I did kind of put on that, hey, this all this space science is not going to be very realistic. Because yeah. one, they didn't know as much as they do now. But even then, they, they just... They, I mean, they, they, they knew stuff, but, they, like, they didn't know all the intricacies of a black hole and a supernova. I don't think so, at least. But like I was like, hey, this is not going to be interstellar, so I'm just going to take it as it is—a fun, swashbuckling movie in space. 
And it's yeah. not Interstellar. It's not. It's Interstellar is probably one of the most scientifically realistic movies there yeah, is. Exactly. It's not Interstellar. This is a movie all on its own. It's a movie that embraces, as Star Wars did, a more fantasy element to it, because that's what sci-fi is so 50-50 because some people want everything to be interstellar. They want it to be 2001 A Space Odyssey. I can get that. But I think sci-fi sometimes is the, you know, the taking science fiction elements and then twisting and stretching it to making it its own thing. Like Star Wars took space. Like Alien. Yeah. Alien is, I think, a very sort of ground... It it feels grounded. Even though it's a movie about an alien, it feels grounded. I think... Well, I was like, we're going to do a space movie podcast. Maybe next week, maybe... Or war. We were talking about a war one. Yeah. But I think Alien could be counted in as like a realistic space movie because for the most part, it's realistic, but it has a xenomorph in there. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually kind of the scientifics of it, not in the new ones, whatever they're called, Covenant. That's just dumb with David... David... Or Michael Fassbender making them? What? I haven't seen it, but... Like, he, he makes the xenomorphs. The robot David, played by Michael Fassbender, who is weird, he makes them. There's, Prometheus, uh, uh, anyway. I'm not going to be started on Alien. I, I really do like those movies. But? But it's kind of like, it's based on, like, you can kind of see this in the distant future. This is kind of like how space, space is capitalized on. It's kind of you know, the ship is going around, and then, like, an alien gets on the ship, and then it just kind of wreaks havoc. I mean, like, I, I think that should be counted as a realistic space for the most That's part. That's fair, and I think this this film goes in the opposite. I also yeah, I'm think... Not really, I just kind of went on a tangent there. You <laughs> did, sure you did. I started. You did. I'm not going to lie, you did. But it's all good, it's all good. I think that this film really is... Oh, I just had a thought. I think it really does take the sort of fantasy approach of embracing... And I think, you know, there's, of course, the line from Star Wars, right? There's been a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I think that's what this movie... Is it is a society because I mean it is a, uh you know an English, eighteen hundreds seventeen hundred society thrown into space mm-hmm. in every sense of the word from the from the the way they speak in a sort of old English at times to the way they dress to the ships it it very much is you know about their old English thing I'd listen to the Crucible for English my English class. And one of them sounded exactly like Long John Silver. Like they count they had like the same like dialect of speaking. I was like, oh damn. Long John Silver. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty cool. I mean, I think it really does embrace a sort of and I think you can see it is very much a project that two guys came up with and they're like, this would be a really cool thing to execute. And they tried the, and they tried. And I think I think they executed it well. I really think it's a good movie. I think it just you know, happen to be have a lot of things go wrong in terms of inconveniencing with the marketing, with where it was set up. But I do think Disney should remake this movie because I think it could be. I, could, I think it would look incredible in the live action. I really do. So I'm just I'm picturing like <laughs> people being like, "Oh, this old book, but in space." I'm just picturing that now, like Scarlet Letter, but in <laughs> but space. In space. <laughs> Gone with the wind, but in well, space. Listen, guys, War and Peace. But listen here, in space. It's gonna be in space, guys. It's gonna be black holes and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, I think it really is one of the more creative movies that I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because you know, that, like the space stuff really. Actually, it kind of was because Disney made black hole or black hole or whatever it is. What Disney was making space movies before that. I've never, I've never, I've never heard of the movie that you're referencing. Let me look it up. But I think if you give this movie, you know, a large, I, if it, I, you know, you can't give it a large budget because it failed, which is the most frustrating thing. Because I think this movie with a two hundred million dollar budget. Would be a great, great live action film. All right, I got it right here. What? Wait, you finish your thing. I'm sorry. 
And I think that that's the sort of, you know, problem here is that Disney can't give it all that money because, I mean, look at the past. It did not succeed the first time. And, you know, will it succeed this time? I don't know, but I really want to see it done because, again, this is a movie that I've grown up watching and a movie that I very much enjoy. I enjoy so many parts of it. It's such an entertaining film to me. And, again, I think it just top to bottom is a good movie. Davis? So Disney made uh, a movie called Black Hole, The Black Hole, uh, in 1979 to capitalize on the Star Wars craze, obviously. They're kind of make, trying to make their own Star Wars. It has a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. I'm just going to read the plot synopsis real quick, if you, if you don't mind. Go ahead. In the future, a spaceship dubbed the USS Palomino, so it's already like USS, I think it's funny, is on its way back to Earth when it discovers another ship that had been assumed missing, the USS Cygnus. Kate McRae, who is Yvette Memo, I don't know who that is, a scientist aboard the Palomino learns that the same ship upon which her father has served as a crew member. When the Palomino's crew boards... The Cygnus, they are met by Dr. Reinhardt and a bizarre faceless army who plan to be the first person ever to explore a black hole. Does that sound like an interesting movie to you? It sounds like an odd movie to me. It is, and apparently it's not very good. I was about to say, it doesn't sound like it's very good. Anthony Perkins is in it. Anthony Perkins. Norman what? Bates. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What on earth? These strange things that Disney did in the 80s and 90s is kind of alarming. They're like... Psycho guy, come on! It's get like, over hey, here. come in the space movie. It's Wait, all great. Psycho, but in space, that'd be kind of be weird. I know. I might watch that though. Oh, oh, like a we wait, like so, like like okay. So imagine like it's a ship, like a big ship, like a cruise, not like a cruise ship, but it's in space, obviously. And like someone has kind of like they're like, hey, I'll take you to this this place. They're kind of like, but like one of them's crazy and. He kills them all. That's what happens in Psycho. Actually, that's not, re- that's not really what happens in Psycho. All right, so you heard it here first. Disney. Here is the simple yeah, uh, Disney mission. make this. <laughs> make Treasure Planet a live-action remake. Please, I would love to see it in theaters. I'll pay to see it in theaters. And then immediately follow that up with Psycho, but in space. We thank you for listening to Through the Lens on WEGL 91.1. And we hope you'll join us next time. For our next movie podcast, which Davis, it'll be about. We'll fi- honestly, we'll it's, figure it uh, out. We were talking about war, space movies, maybe, or maybe we'll just choose another movie. Honestly, we might watch. just choose another movie for our childhood. But we again, thank you for joining us and tuning in to uh, Through the Lens. And hey, if you want to have us review any movies of yours, just contact us and we'll bring it on the show. Thank you for joining us and see you next time. <laughs>